Welcome to the Location Technology Podcast from Corkba, bringing you everything you need to know about all things location. Find out more at corkba.com forward slash podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Corkba Podcast. I'm honored today to be joined by a friend of mine. I, I call you friend. I mean, we, we've been speaking and engaged and many, years. many years now. Uh, there's been a few dinners. Uh, we enjoy each other's company. I think we can say we're friends. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm privileged to, yeah. to do that. So uh, I'm here with Stephen Stadler. Welcome, Stephen. Uh, it's a pleasure. I have been a great admirer of Cooper, your technology, back in the days when I was writing Beacon Technologies. Uh, uh, Cooper were featured uh, long before um, Williot, the company I work for now, was uh, even conceived of. So uh, it's great to be on your podcast. Normally it's the other way around. Normally you're on the Mr. Beacon podcast. But uh, I have to say I'm a bit nervous. Uh, I'm sitting on the other side of the table and... Uh, I hope I will be up to the job. I, you are. I've, I'm a listener and I think it's a great work you guys are doing. Fantastic. Thank you, Stephen. So I, I mean, you have uh, two hats. I mean, you are known very well into the social media and the business as Mr. Beacon. But uh, in this case, you are here as Stephen Stadler from Williot. So can you introduce yourself as uh, Williot and what you do and... Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So my day job is uh, I run marketing at Williot, and uh, Williot is an interesting company. We are a semiconductor designer, um, but we um, uh, really monetize our, our chip offering with a cloud service. Uh, the chip enables uh, a product called an IoT Pixel, which is a postage stamp-sized computer which powers itself by recycling the energy from radio waves. So it's, it's an ARM processor, it uh, talks Bluetooth, uh, but it has computing power which allows it to sense and it allows a lot of flexibility in the development of this. So um, what we're doing is a merge of multiple technologies. We stand on the shoulders of the Bluetooth community. Uh, but also on uh, the work that's been done within RFID. We use the same process as RFID tags use for their high-speed, low-cost, low-profile manufacturing, and we, uh, we basically put a Bluetooth chip in instead of an RFID chip. That's very cool, and uh, I've seen, actually, we have been working with your demo, first generation, now we're working on the second generation demo, and one of the things that struck me the most when I saw the pixel tags was the fact that we're flexible. I mean, it's really not a hard tag, it's really like a sticker, like a stamp. It is, yeah, we, we uh, describe it as postage stamp size computer, and it is, it's super flexible, very low cost. Uh, the cost of the battery-free tags will be Next year, it'll be less than 10 cents. So uh, that's the cost of a computing device, uh, which is incredible, really. So let me ask you now the hard technical question. So we are now in an environment where the customer wants to track millions of devices, mm-hmm. uh, anything from a tool to a parcel to a letter, anything. And this device, we are now feeding and, uh, and recharging via the energy that is in the air. And then whenever the capacitor that internally is charged, I simplify a lot, but just to give an idea, has enough energy, boom, it's going to transmit. So what does it take to energize these devices? And what would be the density for for the energizer within the environment? Just to give a concrete example to our audience. Yeah. 
Well, we have two modes. There's kind of a scavenging mode where we opportunistically power ourselves from uh, stray signals, from Wi-Fi and so forth. Uh, and that works, but the performance is kind of unpredictable. So if you want predictable performance, uh, which most people do, uh, then you need uh, devices that will broadcast a strong Bluetooth signal. So plus 20 dBm, which is uh, kind of the maximum strength of a, a Bluetooth signal, uh, is really what's required. And that'll give you um, a couple of meters of range. Uh, most people want more than that. And so we have um, uh, devices, all our tags now can harvest other frequencies, uh, 915 uh, is the uh, megahertz, is the second frequency that we configure our tags to harvest from, which is the same frequency that's used by LoRa and um, RFID and a number of other protocols. And when you have that kind of energy source, then the range uh, is about 10 meters. So, wow, that's very impressive. Uh, that's the radius. So you can have, uh, we call the devices that deliver predictable energy bridge devices. It's a bit like a stepping stone uh, between our passive tags and gateways. A gateway could be a Wi-Fi access point or some other Bluetooth device, maybe even a Cooper locator. Uh, and so um, from the tag to the bridge is 10 meters. From the bridge to the gateway can be a lot longer. It could be 50 meters, for oh, instance. Wow. Yeah, but that, that becomes already extremely valuable for several of the use cases that we started to see in the market, like uh, inventory management. Yes. Someone as a warehouse just want to know real time, are my assets here, is not here, as, as it left. And in case the device or the... the, the the object that you're tracking has left the building when, so that you can trace it back. And, and one cool thing about these pixel devices is that they are not just offering their presence information, but if I remember right, in the new demo that we received not long ago, there is something more. Can you tell us what it is? There is, yes. So every Willier IoT pixel uh, tag can sense temperature. So um, that's pretty revolutionary to have a temperature sensing capability for just a few pennies uh, is a game changer. We actually integrated our version one tag, we're on version two now, but our version one tag was integrated into vials of COVID vaccine. And in that case, we produced a custom tag that not only measured temperature, but also monitored the dilution of the vaccine and the fill level of the vial. So there's all sorts of things that are uh, possible with special designs, uh, but our, our standard tags, they all come with temperature sensing, uh, which, which is great for, for cold chain, uh, for food, for medicine, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm actually curious, I'm going to ask you a question just uh, so if now you have a tag on, on a vaccine, which is effectively a small container with some liquid, mm -hmm. um, you can know the presence, you can know the temperature. Mm -hmm. Can you know if it has been used or not? Or is too much of a stretch? into? That? Yeah, yeah. so we have fill level uh, integrated into, into that, so you can tell whether it's been used. So um, the, the dilution detection, which is the other capability that we developed for the vial, is really useful because you don't want to get injected with undiluted uh, vaccine uh, serum. Uh, so uh, we actually... Uh, figured out that capability by accident. We, we had to develop our tag before the vaccine was developed. 
Uh, we were commissioned by the uh, pharmaceutical company. And, and when the vaccine was actually provided, the, uh, the radio properties, the dielectric uh, properties of the liquid were slightly different than was predicted. Uh, and, and so there was a shift in the frequency that our tags detected. And the fact that that little bit of interference was detected gave us a clue that this could be another sensing capability. So there was a kind of a, a bit of an accident uh, which uh, resulted in a new sensing capability, which is actually really useful. Oh, that's impressive. So it's like an happy accident in a way. And this is what it means to really be creative, that actually something that could seen at the beginning as a problem, because the tuning of the frequency of the antenna, it's definitely not fun because it's not efficient anymore actually in this case can reveal a very useful use case. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to be capitalizing on this. Uh, in the future, you can expect to see consumer products with these uh, tags on. So imagine uh, bottles of, uh, of uh, like uh, herbs, uh, spices, things like that. Uh, the tag on them is uh, detecting what you have in your pantry. Uh, but also can detect when they're starting to run out and can automatically uh, generate a, a reorder. So you have uh, replenishment ordering. And so you, in the future, you'll be able to subscribe to parsley and garlic and uh, lots of other things oh, wow. in your fridge. Well, there is a ton of things that you can track in there. So now I understand why. I think that one of your motto is like the Internet of the Trillion or yes. something along these lines. Yeah, so we talk about massive IoT and what's the difference between massive IoT and regular IoT? It's a couple of orders of magnitude of scale. So if you look at the Internet of Things now, uh, there's a few tens of billions of, of things. If you add up all of the phones and other devices, then maybe you're talking uh, uh, 30, 40 uh, billion. We see a future where there's trillions of devices that are connected. And that's based on the fact that our tags are being put into clothing, into food containers and medicine. And the scale of that is tremendous. And the opportunity to improve safety, uh, to add uh, food traceability, medicine traceability, uh, to reduce food waste, uh, to have more sustainable uh, business models around clothing, where when you get fed up with clothes, uh, you give them back, you get value, you subscribed clothing. The, the future is pretty amazing, and we're already seeing some examples of that. Actually, one of Cooper's uh, partners is Sato, uh, and they're a, they're a Williot partner as well. Uh, I actually met them at your partner yeah. conference years ago, yeah. uh, and um, they have um, done a project with the Japanese government where they put our tags on bags of lettuce and they've measured the, um, the lettuce and other produce in uh, the refrigerators of Tokyo consumers uh, with a view to suggesting recipes for uh, products that are starting to expire. So that's kind of a glimpse into the future. That was a, a pilot. It's, it's not running at scale, but we do have customers that make appliances, washing machines and fridges. And so I do expect that, um, you know, that pilot to turn into something real uh, over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing when you start to think about all the different assets that you can track because people nowadays tend to think about Industry 4.0, digitalization and so on, but that is really just the tip of the iceberg. Actually, one question is like when you go to the Internet of the Trillion, do we have enough MAC addresses? How are we doing there or should we extend it? 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, we uh, we don't really, strictly speaking, we don't use MAC addresses for uh, tracking our tags. Uh, we have, uh, because uh, if you're starting to put tags on everything, um, then you need to be very careful about privacy. So we randomize the MAC addresses and we actually have our own ID, which does scale to trillions, uh, which is passed over the, uh, the payload of the Bluetooth uh, packet. identification. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we encrypt with AES encryption, and um, that's um, not something that's always part of a Bluetooth beacon. We've talked about the difference between beacons and tags in the past, but like iBeacon as a protocol, the uh, protocol that Apple uh, popularized, is not encrypted and it didn't need to be because iBeacons are used for mapping locations. But you start putting tags on, on clothing, uh, they start appearing in your drinks cabinet and your medicine cabinet, you don't want anyone reading that. So we encrypt all of that and we use a, a, a GS1 um, serial uh, GTIN is the technical term to identify each of the tags with a unique ID. Oh, wow. Now, that's very important. And uh, as much as the Internet of Things is scaling up all the security aspects, they will become more and more relevant as the assets that they are tracking will become important for the people. So I would like to now take the discussion back to how Coupa and actually Williot started to, to work together and how we envision the world. I mean, for all the dinners and beers that we have over the years, I think we have been exploring uh, the, the future across different dimension. And, uh, and there is uh, no doubt in my mind that, uh, that uh, the, the value of what William brings with the pixel tags and the price point that you guys can offer can really enable project where location information is of need, is of value. There is a clear return of investment and that's where there is a sweet spot between Coupa and William to come together. And, uh, and there is also an idea that maybe one lo our locator one day could be one of the energizer into that tag. So it would be an idea convergence of infrastructure. So we energize and read your tag as well. But uh, as, as much as that vision is still very vivid and we are working towards that, I understood that there is a way in which Williot nowadays is trying to accelerate the market adoption, market education, into making people understand why it's important to track at assets. So I don't want to spoil it, so I'm going to let you maybe introduce what uh, is coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're very famous for battery-free Bluetooth, uh, but we realized that there was a gap in the market between our 10 cent uh, uh, battery-free tag uh, and the, the, the battery-powered products that are out there, which are typically 10, $20, somewhere in that range for a good quality battery-powered uh, tag. And battery power does have some advantages. Uh, you know, you don't need those uh, bridges. You can basically send a battery uh, tag anywhere where there's a Bluetooth reader and it will work. And so uh, basically we decided to use the same chip that we have in the battery-free tag uh, and um, marry it with a battery. But in this case, it's a much smaller battery than normal. It's, it's a printed battery. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, so it's one that costs a lot less than uh, a typical battery. And Is it flexible? It's flexible. Uh, and so uh, almost more important than the, the cost of the battery is the production technique. We can create this uh, battery-assisted pixel 
using the same roll-to-roll -roll machines that can mass produce at terrific speed and terrific volume these very flexible tags. So it's a bit bigger than a postage stamp, but not much bigger. It's uh, about, it's actually smaller than a business card and it's about as flexible. So you still have a flexible tag, it's slightly larger. And in this case, the battery assisted pixel is selling somewhere between a dollar and two dollars. Uh, so um, the, 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 this tag, and actually more and more of our tags are being made by third parties. We license our chips at, at no cost uh, to anyone that wants to make uh, a Williot tag because we monetize our offering through the cloud service, which is the thing that uh, manages the encryption and does a lot of the sensing. So uh, the battery-assisted Pixel is manufactured by a partner of ours called Identive, uh, and they can actually make the uh, the battery-free tags as well. But Identive is well known in the RFID industry as uh, dealing with very uh, sophisticated uh, designs of tags. And so uh, they were a great partner for us to uh, work with on the development of this very low-cost uh, battery-assisted tag. Oh, but that's that's very interesting. And if I if I summarize what what I heard, so the it's it's like a sticker. Mm -hmm. It's uh, flexible. Mm -hmm. It has a battery inside, mm -hmm. and this battery has enough capacity to power actively the device to transmit. And probably you make a big leverage upon the low power consumption of your radio in order to be able to extend the lifetime of the device. So can you spoil it for us and give us some numbers about what are we talking about? Yeah, so we're talking uh, roughly four years of, of battery life. So the, uh, uh, the, the battery-assisted pixels, they broadcast every four seconds, uh, and uh, they'll do that for um, up to four years. Um, and they broadcast at a very uh, predictable speed, uh, and they can talk directly to a phone. Um, they can uh, be attached to all sorts of uh, assets that might range freely, um, maybe where there isn't uh, a works with Williot uh, bridge device around. So if I go back to our battery-free tags, then those are typically used in a retail context or in a warehouse or a distribution center, somewhere where you can put our bridge devices, which are very low cost. They cost um, uh, up to $45. So you, you can blanket a, a warehouse or a large retail store for less than $1,000 in that infrastructure. But of course, not every um, uh, venue, every location is going to have bridge devices. So we find the battery-assisted product is great for asset management, asset tracking, where you are distributing products over a really broad range of outlets. So we have a, a customer that is servicing hundreds of thousands of third-party retail outlets, uh, and they want those assets to be identified by the phones of their sales staff who are roaming around and visiting those stores. So the battery-assisted Pixel is a really great option for that. Whereas, you know, a, an example of a use case for the battery-free uh, Pixel is we have an apparel company that has 50,000 items of apparel. They want to track those within their smaller network of stores. I say smaller, it's still uh, hundreds, even thousands of stores. 
Um, but uh, when uh, so two different uh, products, two different sets of use cases. But this is very cool because, for instance, if I look at what you just described, but with the goal of location, we have customers that they are, of course, seeking for high precision, high accuracy, real timeness. But within maybe the same premise, like think about a large industrial site, mm-hmm. they have the manufacturing assembly lines or. Or, or, or other parts of the facility where they need to know sub-meter real-time where everything is. And then they have larger portion of their facility where really inventory what they need. And I remember one customer, I'm not going to make names, so that they were saying that they lose 1 million euros merchandise per year. Yes. Just because they have no idea where it is. Yes. They have shipped it or they, they have it already uh, still there. Or sometimes uh, their supply chain is asking for the same product and then they need to manufacture it twice, which means that they need to stop the production line, which is an indirect, actually direct cost for them. So the, the, the bottom line is that uh, wasting like 1 million euros per year in inventory management, it seems to be pretty clear. So if now we would have devices that are on this sweet spot price point, so the dollar, two dollars price range with like several years of battery uh, lifetime with an infrastructure like Coupa that can provide the high accuracy or proximity depending on need, it's, it's like one plus one is more than two because now you can really provide the value to the customer and if those tags are lost in the supply chain, well, it doesn't really matter because the cost can be anyway negligible. It's, it's that right. Is that how someone in the line could summarize a kind of combo offering? Yeah, it's a, it's a good summary. Uh, and uh, I can imagine or I know that uh, Cooper can be used for a set of use cases where precision is important. That justifies the installation of the locators. But once they're there, why not use them to track other things where location is not as, uh, is not as important? So uh, maybe the Cooper tags are going on to tools or staff, uh, but there's also uh, crates or cages that are moving around and you want to track those as well. And you just want to know whether they're in the building or not or if they're in a particular zone. And that's where um, it's very simple for Cooper to add support to, um, to identify and read the broadcasts from our pixels as our R&D teams work on a longer term integration for very high uh, precision angle of arrival, we can much more easily support this. It's essentially a presence use case. Uh, and um, using the battery-assisted pixel kind of makes sense because you don't even need to worry about whether there are bridges or, or, or not. Yeah, and it's not less valuable than high accuracy because we have customers that they literally spend weeks in doing venture management and people on the floor walking and, uh, and there's liability, of course, attached to that every now and then. So this sounds very exciting. My last question about the battery-assisted device, do they do condition monitoring as well? Do they have some kind of sensing capability similar to the passive tag that you were mentioning before? Yeah, so the the short answer is no, they don't. So you kind of give some things up when you you go for the the battery. And a lot of the sensitivity of the battery-free tags is the source of the sensing. So... Uh, our battery uh, um, assisted pixels um, are essentially good for asset tracking. 
Um, when phones are involved, then we can cheat a little bit and we can use the temperature sensing that's being done by a phone that might be nearby and we can report that to the cloud. Uh, but basically, it's a very simple tool uh, used for a simple task, which is uh, this sort of asset tracking uh, where that $1 to $2 price point opens up new use cases that uh, maybe weren't uh, addressable with uh, a more expensive tag or a larger tag. So what's the timeline? Someone would be interested in this kind of device. They can contact Cooper, they can contact Williot. Uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, so we, we have, uh, we've got uh, um, samples that we've been uh, already using in terms of uh, ramping up volume. So we're talking in June of 2022. These podcasts have uh, a life, so it's important to, to say when we're talking. So yeah. uh, over the next 10 weeks, we'll be ramping up to volume. So within the next 10 weeks, we'll have uh, uh, tens of thousands uh, of the battery-assisted Pixel uh, tags uh, available. We have millions of the battery-free tags available now. Um, and then, you know, by the end of the year, we'll be making hundreds of thousands uh, and uh, uh, by next year, 2023, we'll be making millions of the battery-assisted pixels as well. And can ship everywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, the ability to ship them is good because they're not lithium. They're actually made with a, a zinc-based chemistry. So they're actually a lot less. Uh, the, the, the precious um, uh, resources and the, um, uh, the toxicity issues that you have with... Uh, uh, a CR2020 or a coin cell battery uh, are uh, a lot less, so they're easier to ship around the world. And uh, they talk Bluetooth, uh, and so they can be used uh, anywhere in the world. So since uh, Williot is a silicon vendor, I'm just, I need to ask, how is the situation with the silicon shortage? And uh, huh? What's, yeah. what's your projection for the future and how do you see the market change in that respect? Yeah, the silicon shortage is real. It's impacting everyone that makes chips. Uh, we're very fortunate. At the end of last year, we closed a $200 million investment round, which was led by SoftBank. And that gave us the resources to do something that other startups and, and we wouldn't have been able to have uh, done otherwise. So, so these days when you're working with a, a fab, uh, you don't just give them a forecast and say, I'd like you to make uh, X million uh, chips. You actually have to buy them up front. And so we've been able to do that. So we have uh, uh, capacity for, for many millions of, uh, of, of tags because we've pre-bought that uh, capacity. So, so People that are online customers or potential customers, don't be shy. I think that uh, we, we got enough components to yes. satisfy the needs. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So um, time is running quickly and uh, I could talk for other half an hour easily, but we can't. And um, we need to wrap it up. And in the, I'm, I'm going to steal something from Mr. Beacon, if you allowed me, Stephen. So I'm, I'm actually wondering, because you asked this question to many people over the years, but I, I, I don't know <laughs> if you've ever been asked the same question. At least I got that question a few times. So now I'm going to ask it to you. So if one day you will find yourself alone in Mars, so which three songs would you take with you? Uh, well, that answer changes over time. Um, but uh, there are a few tracks that are important to me that are fairly consistent. Um, 
So I would choose Dave Brubeck, Take Five. Um, So this is a jazz number, which uh, I remember uh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents used to love listening to Dave Brubeck and uh, their passion for it uh, rubbed off on me. Uh, And so that would be uh, one of the songs. uh, early, uh, uh, when I was a, a kid and I was graduating from jazz to other things, then uh, I really um, uh, loved um, uh, the, the work of Joe Jackson. So Joe Jackson, British post-punk uh, uh, musician, actually, he's still going. I saw him just uh, uh, last week in San Diego. Um, and uh, uh, so I think... Um, uh, Look Sharp would be uh, my uh, second one. And then uh, I would uh, choose uh, Hunky Dory from uh, David Bowie. I, uh, when I was at college, I had a radio show called Brewback to Bowie. And so those are like two bookends of my musical tastes. And so uh, uh, I, my, my list of three includes a bit of uh, uh, Brewback and a bit of Bowie. Oh, wow. But that's... That's a great three choices. Actually, I didn't know you had a radio show. So is there where your passion for the podcast kind of I think started? probably, yeah, that was my training ground. Uh, I, uh, it was also my first management job. I, I started off doing the show and then I, um, the, the, uh, the manager of the station resigned and I, uh, no one else wanted to do it, so I, I took over. So I ran the, uh, the radio station and uh, learned a lot of things about oh, wow. managing people. You try managing people that make a punk uh, show, a jazz show, <laughs> heavy metal, uh, new wave, uh, there's a lot, and a bunch of electrical engineers. Uh, that's, that's really great management training. So I guess that now interview a few engineers or, or technologists in your Mr. Bigot podcast is probably a piece of cake. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but it was certainly good training. It was certainly good training, I agree. Hey, Steve, it was uh, brilliant to have you here. Thank you so much for being here with us. Fabio, it's always a pleasure. I, I love the work that Cooper does. I'm a big, uh, big fan. And uh, it's great that our products are starting to come together because I think the combination's uh, amazing. I agree. Thank you very much. Bye.